This is the FM Gold Channel of All India Radio. In the program Spotlight, now we bring you a discussion on tax proposal in budget 2020. The participants are Dr. Tazamul Haq, agriculture expert, and Urmi Goswami, journalist. Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman presented the first budget of this decade, the budget for year 2021, yesterday. And one of the areas where there was a lot of focus was on taxation. Personal income tax was one aspect of it. Of course, then there was the dividend distribution tax, some concessional tax rates that she spoke about. Could you take us through the personal tax, the changes that have been made, the options, and why do you think that this change is being introduced at this time? The idea was that particularly at this point of time when there is an economic slowdown and uh, people expected that in the budget there should be something which will improve or increase their income or disposable income. So the tax rates should be reduced. That was one of the, in fact, demands from various sections, particularly for the middle class, lower class and the upper middle class. And this budget that way has tried to do something about it. You can see beyond 5 lakhs rupees of exemption limit, I think up to say 50 lakhs, I think there is a substantial reduction in the tax rate. So that was thought necessary because it will stimulate demand in the economy by the middle class and the upper middle class people. But the change that has happened is not just of reduction in rates, but the fact is that these reductions in rates can only be availed if the taxpayer decides not to take the exemptions. Some 120 exemptions have existed. From the conversations that the finance minister, the interviews that she gave after the budget, it would seem like that the aim is to move towards a system where there are minimal exemptions. So, what is the reason for that? The idea is that, according to the finance minister and also many people, that this kind of tax policy where there are so many exemptions and all the time some new exemptions are introduced, I think that complicates the whole system and also proper estimations of income and all that becomes very difficult. So, I think it is better that you simplify the system. So, simplification of the taxation structure of the system was one of the objectives of this. And in the long run, probably this is going to happen that some of these exemptions will simply go. But at the moment, there is a choice for the taxpayers. Either they go for the new tax rates which without exemptions, or you adopt, agree to follow the old tax rates along with the exemptions. Uh, so immediately there is no complete switchover. So there is a choice. But uh, in the long run, I think this will help. One of the things that a lot of critics were sort of highlighting is the fact that these exemptions actually were in the form of forced savings. And by doing away with exemptions, you are doing away with forced savings. Now, because not all sections of taxpayers are, have a, like a retirement benefit or pension, these forced savings actually become their nest egg for the future. So how does that issue get addressed? that objective was to basically increase income increase savings household savings and also increase investment in the economy as a result of that so the objective is very clear but then whether that objective will be met by way of doing this this has to be seen if of course i mean this can be tried let us see if this does not work then maybe again this can be revised let us move on to the dividend distribution tax because companies are currently required dividend paid to their shareholders at a rate of 15% plus applicable surcharge and cess Now that is being removed. So what the finance minister has proposed is allow for deduction of dividend received by holding. Basically, now the income hold, the person who earns the dividend will pay it as part of their income. 
So again, how do you explain that? I think first of all, I will say that from the company's perspective, I think this is a welcome kind of thing because they were demanding it for quite some years. So I think this has been addressed. And also at a time when I think we say we need to induce investment in the economy. One side is, of course, the demand constant we have for which we have to inject money in the hands of the people, disposable income, for which it's, it, and it should be widespread kind of thing so that it really creates effective demand in the economy, which will induce the investors to invest. This is one inducement kind of thing. But at the same time, this was also the thing that this kind of dividend the way it was taxed, I think it is a disincentive for the companies to invest. So now that disincentive part has been taken care yeah, of. Okay. But then as far as the shareholders' income is concerned, which could have helped in boosting demand at this point of time, people say I think this has to be again taken care of or at least analyzed more closely. But then if your earning improves as a result of getting some share benefit, it should be taxed. It is a very simple kind yes. of thing. Why? If everybody wants exemption from this and that, then I think there is no way the government can function that way. So I think, I mean, it has been introduced. Let us see how it works. Right. Out. Of course, you're very right. You have to pay taxes. Yeah, it's right. not yeah. that because for the government to function, <laughs> but the participation in the markets, we're talking in terms of dividend tax. How big is the participation in the market, especially for the group of people whose earning will be less than 15 lakhs? There are. But I think more will be people at a higher level. So maybe it doesn't yes, impact the same way. Yeah, yeah. There are several other changes that have been introduced in the tax end and one of them relates to tax concession for foreign investments. Now, basically, the finance minister said that this effort of giving a 100% tax exemption to interest, dividend and capital gains income in respect of investment made in infrastructure and other notified sectors, the priority investment sectors, before 31st March, March 2024 and uh, with a minimum lock-in period of three years. So only those sovereign wealth funds which invest in the priority sectors before 31st March 2024 and with a minimum period of three-year lock-in period can avail of this exemption. Do you see that will actually mean, because there, there are many wealthy sovereign funds, you know, we have the Norwegian pension fund, the richest pension fund in the world. Do you see that this could actually make it uh, make India a more attractive place? I think so. It should be because and also there is a need for this because already, as you know, where infrastructure is starved and there is demand and need for improving investment in infrastructure and government does not have the capacity to do it on their own. So the private sector has to come in a very big way. So the domestic players are there, but even some big FDI foreign investors come and help us in this matter. But then people say that they don't have an incentive currently or the kind of policy environment that is required to give some kind of security of whatever they invest. So at least in the next few years, that security has been provided. So I think this is a good initiative, I'll say. Let us see how it works. Now that you mentioned about incentivizing or finding a way to attract, yeah, uh, you know, yes. foreign sovereign funds, in that context, I also wanted to mention the concessional tax rate that uh, the finance minister announced for electricity generation companies because the power sector also needs investment. What she has proposed is extending the concessional corporate tax rate of 15% to new domestic companies engaged in generation of electricity. But what is missing from the speech, and maybe it is there in the fine print or it requires to be there, is about what kind of electricity generation we are talking about. And I ask you this because the sovereign wealth funds, as we have seen over the last few years, have been divesting themselves from fossil fuel investments, from unsustainable investments, 
investment, of course, not a sovereign wealth fund, but you have the asset managers like BlackRock saying that they will divest from any company that has more than 25% revenues from fossil fuel. But sovereign funds like the Norwegian Pension Fund have made those indications very clear a couple of years ago. I'm wondering whether this initiative, which is very good about attracting money into key areas, whether it's infrastructure or electricity, could have been made sharper and greener through these. Do you think the finance minister should have taken a step in that direction? And is this something that can be done even now during the discussion? In fact, in the past few years, if you have observed closely, there is a focus on development of green energy or renewable energy. So that being the focus of the government, in fact, the contribution of renewable energy has increased like anything in the last few years. So I think that way, I think the same trend will continue. The focus will be on investment in the renewable energy. So that way, I think it is not going to be that way harmful and also it is necessary, as I said. Second thing is that even in the agriculture sector, if you, have, you will, will come to that, but then just to mention casually that now there will be encouragement to the farmers to utilize their fellow land for investment in the solar power plant. Right. And uh, that can be a big source of income, income. for them. No, but so, I was wondering whether yeah. in the tax policy itself, because what she did say is a 15% concessional corporate tax for new domestic companies engaged right. in generation of electricity. Do you think it would have been actually better step had she sort of specified that this should be a generation of green electricity? I think so. That should be more explicit. But I think that is what I understand, that that will be the focus, because since that is the focus of the government, right. so I think that will continue. But, you know, domestic mm-hmm. company mm-hmm. can come and say, I want to set up a coal power mm-hmm. plant, and she can't deny them this concession. No, that can be done. And you think also when it comes to concession for foreign investments given to the sovereign wealth funds, do you think it would be desirable actually to make it explicit that we would want the investments to be in sustainable infrastructure, resource-efficient infrastructure? In fact, that is the focus, as again, I will say, right. that has been the focus in the past few years. But then certainly if it is made more explicit, I think this will help clarify things and otherwise there will be confusion in the minds of some investors. Right. That clarification can be sought, but that additional rules, clarifications and things like that. It could happen like during the course of before the finance also. bill is passed. No, no, even otherwise also. During the implementation process, some guidelines like how to implement it, procedure and process of implementation, this can be a part of it. This so is a very important moment right, and right, if we right, can right. signal mm-hmm. it right, right, it's good for us. Yep. I'll draw your attention to the concessional tax rate for cooperatives. Cooperatives are a big part of, you mentioned in agriculture, but in some parts of the country they are, especially in the rural areas, are the mainstay. And how do you see this concessional, could you explain the significance of this concessional tax rate for cooperatives? Right from independence days, I think most of the policies that we have seen in the central level, that always tried to give some kind of tax concession to cooperatives. This will be much more in the same direction, but certainly cooperatives need some kind of help, otherwise in many cases they will not be able to compete. Sometimes we say cooperatives should compete with companies, sometimes we will say individual enterprises. So I think uh, it is very difficult. So I think they need some kind of concessional things so that they can really compete and sustain. But do you think because they are being made competitive and actually there is being kind of a parity is being brought between cooperative society and corporate mm-hmm. entity right, right. Uh, through this uh, concessional tax rate that the finance minister has suggested, do you think also it is time that we put cooperatives under the same kind of audit lens and oversight lens uh, that both companies, because very often, you know, cooperatives have also been the place where there have been a lot of uh, malpractices. 
in several cases we have seen this but this can be curbed with proper regulatory mechanism for instance no in the case of andhra pradesh they have an autonomous cooperative kind of system where there is minimal regulation but still there is a regulatory body or regulatory policy so that will help but otherwise it is all autonomous it is not some politicians come and say we have so many members and this is a cooperative body but it's actually it is individually managed as an independent entrepreneur kind of thing that way and sometimes many of the members do not know that they are members of that cooperative society that also happens so those things should be discouraged autonomous cooperatives should be encouraged with some kind of concessions and support but at the same time there should also be a regulatory mechanism so that this is not misused by vested interests so you think that this move should also be accompanied yes, by that yes. on other tax measures the thing about uh, msmes till now msmes with an turnover of 1 crore didn't have to get their books audited but now they will the limit is increased to 5 crores and of course there is a rider that if you carry out less than 5% of your business in cash you can then avail of this concession how does increasing the limit of not getting an audit done help because that was considered to be some kind of intervention Uh, in their kind of functioning so people thought that if they are given some kind of freedom from this kind of regulation hopefully they will perform better but at the same time as i said a broad regulatory mechanism has to be there even for this otherwise again it can be misused but anyway msme sector needs some kind of encouragement as you right. know and so whatever they demand i think we ready to give it to them because they are the main creators of jobs in the country and that is the need of the day If you're looking at all the tax proposals that were made in the budget yesterday how do you rate that i think very good in the sense uh, at least good beginning in several respects and let us see i think these are all you know evolutionary kind of things so if we see that this works better this year so we'll continue with that if it does not then it can be further rectified the next season but then right. we need to you know the whole approach to this budget this year is you know some innovative approaches at least the reforms that can be easily undertaken and implemented that should be done that should be tried so that has been the kind of broad thing behind this so thank you so much for taking us through the main philosophy of the tax proposals in the budget and of course elucidating how where there can be more action or where the government needs to focus a little more to supplement the proposals that have been made in the budget thank you very much for taking us through thank this. you You are listening to a discussion on tax proposal in budget 2020. The participants were Dr. Tazamul Haq, agriculture expert, and Urmi Goswami, journalist. This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. This program is also available on our website newsonair.com. You can also follow us on the News on AIR app for updates. You may email your opinion about this program at airnsttalks at gmail dot com.